Well, good morning. I am Pastor Eric Sorensen, uh, coming to you from uh, New Jersey this morning on my way into New York City this afternoon to do some work for the church plan I serve there, Epiphany Lutheran Church. Happy Passion Week to you. Uh, normally during, uh, during a special time of the year, like uh, this time, especially uh, Holy Week, I would do something that would sort of change up or do a passage that's specific to this week. But today I decided that we would stay in 1 Peter because uh, 1 Peter uh, this week actually has a lot to do or is connected to uh, the Passion Week. And in some sense, really all of the scriptures are pointing to the importance of this week. Remember, Jesus says all of the scriptures are ultimately about him. And so with that in mind, let's, um, let's just review a little bit of what we've talked about so far. Uh, last week we talked about what it means to be holy or to think holy in particular. That was sort of the focus being renewed in our minds by dwelling in the word of God. And that word uh, that renews us is the word of the gospel, the good news, uh, setting our hope on the grace that will be revealed, Peter says. Well, today we consider um, speaking holy and walking holy. And the reason I break it down that way is because Peter says it like this in verse 13. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Again, there's that thinking thing again. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So now we are moving beyond what's here in our minds to conduct. Another way of saying conduct is walking. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. I won't spend a lot of time on that last part, but I think it's important to recognize that Peter sees us as Christians in this world in a similar way that the Israelites were seen in the Old Testament in their periods of exile. In other words, there is a recognition always that this world is not ultimately our home, or at least the world as it is. Our, we are awaiting a better, more heavenly city, as the author of Hebrews says it. So, Peter says, Be holy in all your conduct, and surely that includes our speech. Now, the book of James says, uh, I think a lot about speech in regard to holy living. He puts it like this. Uh, in, uh, he says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault at what, in what he says, he is a perfect man. <laughs> That's a pretty uh, heavy statement. Another way of translating that word perfect might be to say complete. Able to keep his whole body in check. I mean, this, it, when, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. And I could go on, but you get the point. James is absolutely convinced and is sharing that with us in the passage I just read that that what we say has a tremendous amount of 
uh, of significance. The Bible warns all throughout the Proverbs about the power of the tongue. Uh, it's better to remain silent than to open your mouth and to be thought of as a fool, the Proverbs will often say. And so the subjects that we discuss are, as going back to our passage in Peter, are to be approached in a godly manner. Not to speak inappropriately or, you know, Paul condemns crude joking or gossip about others with our speech. But, but rather, with our speech, we're called to build one another up and encourage one another. Now, it's important that I pause here for a second uh, to emphasize that, um, building up and encouraging one another with our speech. Because I think oftentimes the way people think about holy talking or holy speech is basically you just avoid the curse words. You know, you didn't say the S word, you didn't say the F word, uh, you didn't say GD and you didn't say JC, and so you're good to go. In reality, the Bible's very, it's not nearly as concerned about those big bad words, besides blasphemy, of course, the words where we actually say God's name in a wrong way. Uh, but as far as the other curse words, I don't think the Bible's all that concerned about them as much as it's concerned about the way that we tear down others with our tongue. It has a lot to say about that. It has a lot to say against gossip. A lot. It has a lot to say about using our tongue in an angry way to take down others. Uh, I don't know if, if any of you watching this have spent any time on the old social media, but I'm guessing you have. And if you have, it's hard-pressed a lot of the time to find Christians debating an issue in a way that in any way suggests holy speech. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I rarely ever get in arguments on social media. I sort of decided years ago to avoid them. I see stuff I disagree with all the time, and I see Christian stuff I disagree with all the time. I mean, a lot. Um, but I rarely get into uh, discussions because uh, the fact is um, I'm always cognizant that there are other people watching, other people that are not Christians especially, and when they see us arguing and calling each other heretics because one of us believes that 9,000 angels can fit on the head of a pen and the other only believes that 8,000 can and <laughs> we're blowing up at each other, ain't nobody going, hmm, yeah, Jesus was right. I can see that they're Christians by their love for one another. And so, um, yeah, the speech, the, the way we talk to each other can be a really big problem. And Peter wants us to be cognizant of that. And, uh, and with that, of course, with holy speech, there's also uh, holy walking or holy conduct in general. That is our actions. Peter puts it this way, as children of obedience, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Now, the word conform there means to make similar in form or nature or character, to bring into agreement, correspondence or harmony. In other words, Peter is saying your behavior on the outside should not be in agreement or harmony with your former life, with the life of the flesh. The life in the flesh before you were born again should not be the way that you look on the outside, but rather your behavior should be conforming to the character of God. So essentially what Peter's saying is uh, Christianity is, is a whole life thing. It's the way you think, it's the way you speak, it's the way you act. It's not just a segment, it's not just a part, but your faith 
is overshadowing everything and anything you do, work, family, play, you name it, all are to be guided by him. There's no area of your life that is not under the reign of God. That's essentially the case that Peter's making here. And so we should conduct ourselves with that in mind. Now, all that being said, I mean, we can talk about where we find God's uh, will for our lives and what we should do. It's very clear that it's in Scripture. You can go to the Ten Commandments. You can go to all sorts of, of ways that God is guiding and leading us on how we should act. But I think you know that. What I want to move to now is Peter says uh, we need to speak holy and we need to walk holy or conduct ourselves in a holy way. And what comes to mind when I think about this is... Um, is the fact that I haven't conformed as much as I should. Uh, if our character is to be conformed into the image or more and more like the majestic triune God, the one whom Moses and the prophets hid their face from because of his awesome, pure holiness, if I'm to be holy like that, well, then, I mean, it, it's just clear. I don't cut it, and neither do you. You have not been conformed that much yet. As a matter of fact, the more we gaze at what we ought to be in regard to holiness, the more we find out how unholy we are. The more we're forced to recognize that if there's any chance of me being referred to as a holy person I have to I have to get that from somewhere else because it's not springing up from within me and the good news at the end of our passage is Peter tells us how it is that God makes us holy as he is holy so that we might in turn actually begin to live more holy lives he says this we were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from our forefathers, not with per perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for our sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that our faith and hope are in God. You want to know ultimately how it is that you can be holy as God is holy? It's not ultimately going to be by how pure you're able to keep your mind or how wonderful your speech is coming out of your mouth or even how great your conduct is on a daily basis. As important as all those things are, your neighbor needs you to be more holy in those regards. It helps them. The fact is, we're ultimately made holy because we're declared to be holy because the blood of the eternal Son of God has ransomed us, has bought us, and through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, God's judgment of our unholiness is shown to be so severe that he's willing to bleed and suffer and die to pay the price for it. That's what the word ransom means, to pay the price. And so receiving what he has done for us, we are no longer owned by the sinful nature. The old man 
has been crucified with Christ. We are a new creation as a result of being ransomed. And so just maybe as we marinate on that, we might just seek to obey him and in turn start looking more set apart as that's what the word holy means. As the Apostle Paul declares about himself, and I think every Christian can declare this, every Christian should declare this, it would be good to wake up every day saying this, to look in the mirror and to say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You want to start off the day pumping yourself up with some sort of self-esteem? Read that to yourself. You are a new creation. It's a done deal. He loved you and he gave himself for you. That's the reality. And so as I've said time and time again, the way you begin to live holy is not by pulling up your bootstraps, not by being a great American, not by doing more and trying harder, but by recognizing that in Christ you already are who he says you are. You are holy. You are set apart. As, he goes, as Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 6, and I'll close with this, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. You have been bought, Christian. You have been baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in that baptism, you died and you were raised to new life. And so you do not identify anymore with your sins and your failures, but by his righteousness and his successes, by what God says you are. So enjoy it and walk in it. Amen.